0: Welcome to Checkmates Go, Season 2, Episode 14. Talking with Tim Otis and Ray Shippers with the Checkpoint Incident Response Team, we first start talking about Outlook Web Access. Uh, It's one of those things that a lot of organizations use to provide remote access to their employees because email is one of the most critical applications. If you enable Outlook Web Access directly from the internet, you can have a bad time. I asked Ray Shippers what the Incident Response Team was seeing. So not so much, I think, that we've run into,
1: but there is definitely a lot of intelligence indicating that uh, the CVE 2020-0688 is being heavily exploited by, by various threat groups. So that's a uh, vulnerability in OWA from March um, where, you know, basically the way the website works, um, the attacker can uh, can upload some code effectively and get remote code execution, which means you're having a very sad day. Um, but yeah, despite the critical nature of of the vulnerability of the patch uh, a lot of organizations last kind of was three hundred and fifty uh three hundred and fifty thousand organizations still hadn't patched uh, from a quick showdown scan. So definitely uh, a lot of kind of unlocked doors there. Uh, and OWA is a fantastic attack vector because once you're in email, it's so easy to move around laterally because you can just send service desk a request that says, hey, can you add me to this? Can you add me to that? Or hey, this doesn't work. Uh, I, I remember we had one case where there was an attacker inside of a network at a clothing manufacturer and they literally got access to all the internal marketing things, all the uh, discount codes, what was about to be released, simply because they asked Service Desk for access to the Jira project management system for the company uh, via email once they compromise an email. Uh, And and so lateral movement via email is so incredibly straightforward and so reliable that uh, once they have your mail server, uh, you're having a bad day. And everyone stores secrets in in their mail server as well uh, because... my email seems to be the way to transfer files as we already, uh, you know, as people seem to still use it as.
0: Email's been one of these things that's been around for a long time, right? It's, it's uh, actually, as I was recording the intro for the, the one of the episodes that we're doing, I, I realized that email's been around longer than the internet, right? It's, it's, uh, um, and it really hasn't changed much since the early 1970s. Yeah, people use it and, and people trust it, but, you know, I think the OWA, um, yeah, it's an attack vector because it's an, it's an application. And if you don't patch it, if you're running, you know, I don't know, you know exchange 2010 <laughs> which nobody should be doing at this point um but people do uh then uh yeah and, and if that's exposed directly to the internet then um yeah i don't think microsoft patch uh, even supports that anymore do they no 2010 is no longer supported
1: no but, but yeah no everyone's so scared to uh patch exchange though because if it goes wrong you impact mail and that's the one thing your executives will yell at you, will yell and scream at you about hey why does my email not work um So that's why everyone is so afraid to patch Exchange, even with these uh, with these kinds of vulnerabilities. It's uh, it's an interesting beast, Exchange, and also you know you usually have it on so many servers around your network these days that uh, it can be hard to get them all at the same time.
0: Yeah, that, that's that's where you definitely want to have a. Uh, if you're going to uh, make it available, that you need some sort of reverse proxy slash remote access gateway that doesn't directly expose it. So uh, that gives you some protection. I mean, you still have issues if you're if you're not using you know, for that uh, you know, for that gateway if you're not using some sort of you know multi factor authentication or whatever. But to, um, it's better than nothing.
2: It's so easy. You you mentioned on another conversation earlier that. It's really easy on Shodan to find vulnerable exchanges. You know, we, we, the first few weeks of the, in, at least in the U S of a lot of the stay at home orders that were coming around for different states in the U S. The first few weeks, you know, we were doing a couple of Shodan searches and it was interesting to see like more RDP, more SMB exposed to the internet, more vulnerable OWA. Uh, some of those trends are, are dissipating. You know as we as we go through this whole thing, folks, I don't know if everyone realizes how easy it is for me to find a vulnerable o w a right this second on Shodan and just uh go attack it if I was a bad guy or gal,
0: even if Shodan didn't exist, right? I mean, it wouldn't be that difficult to find no. If I really if I want to find an organization, it's yeah that there's public information out there that I can figure out where your IP addresses are, even if you're using IPv6, which has a much larger address space. Uh, you know, there's there's but it's but the reality is I can find that information fairly easily, and I can probably uh, you know do something to
2: to it. It's interesting nowadays with all the services when we were talking about you know, DDoS earlier and DNS. One of the things to mitigate some of those attacks is make it somebody else's problem. Uh, move your DNS to another provider. Uh, likewise, right? Like kind of how you were saying, if my, if my email is in the cloud and my website is hosted, uh, it it can be harder for folks to find my network where my users live or where my data center actually might be. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm sure there will still be IP addresses served from my domain and, and, or rather my net block. But, uh, if my MX is somebody else, basically server and my NS for DNS is somebody else's thing, my SOA is somebody else's thing, right? And, uh, my website is hosted by somebody else. It makes it harder for those kind of, uh, you know, it, it, you you can't just uh, search Shodan or 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 even like run a vuln scan on my network. If you if if we're outsourcing these services,
0: from here the conversation took a little bit of a different turn. A customer had contacted me about using updatable objects to block access to a specific service, and it turned out that uh, there's some third-party service hosted by a different company that they were using but was because it was part of this net block or or part of the domains for this particular other application that they couldn't use the this other service if they had this block rule in place so this led to a discussion about how people are maybe misusing features in checkpoint in ways they weren't intended to be used
1: one of the kind of key PSAs that we've learned recently is uh, customers keep using dynamic objects for threat prevention. Don't. It does not do what you think it does. And it only causes a lot of grief, a lot of heartache, uh, and actually exposes you more than it protects.
2: So stop it.
0: So, okay. So can you elaborate on that? Because now you got me interested.
2: It's It's, it's this classic... I think it's kind of a legacy understanding of some of the checkpoint gear coupled with new school requirements for threat, you know, the rapid ingestion of threat intelligence. And what, 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 what some of the, I'll say old schoolers of and knowledgeable checkpoint people may not realize is that, uh, or checkpoint users may not realize is that, you know, there's a ton of cool API and intelligence ingesting things in checkpoint gateways nowadays and, and checkpoint products that you don't really have to use these legacy kind of domain Objects and, and uh, to to do this this rapid ingestion of threat intelligence, we have APIs for that, and 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 they have all these smarts built in, like on a TTL for a uh, an IOC. How long do I want that IOC to be? You know, blocking in my environment? Is it going to go stale? Do all the all these kind of cool smarts of, of around it, and and we have stuff for that.
0: And by the way, you don't have to manage
1: it, right? <laughs> so, so what actually happens is that we have. We've now found a number of customers, uh, and sorry, you're right, Tim, it's uh, domain objects, not dynamic objects, loading uh, bad domains, so C2 domains, domains from bad guys, into uh, their system as domain objects, and then using policy to block what what they think is block access to it. But what actually happens when you use a domain object is your, your gateway then goes off and does a DNS lookup, By default, something like every 60 seconds for that list. Now, we're talking lists of, you know, one to 10,000 domains. Every 60 seconds, every gateway in your network. So apart from the traffic where you're effectively DDoSing yourself, the other challenge is you're now asking effectively bad guy infrastructure, what IP does the bad guy live at? Now, so there's a couple of risks there. First of all, if I was a bad guy and I saw somebody doing this I'd send them back their own IPs and just block their entire network myself. that That's just my evil mindset on this. But it also means you're actually just blocking the IP traffic that it resolves to at that second. So if it's a fast flux, you could miss things, but it means you're not actually blocking the domain. And because we call it a domain object, people don't understand it's not actually blocking access to the domain, it's only blocking access to the IP it resolves to. And that confusion is where we run into issues, is that people think they're blocking access to a domain, all happy. And so we actually had a couple of cases now where people have had Antibot fire off because they have traffic to APTs and we're sitting there wondering why are all these different communications happening to these bad guy, C2s, and then we worked out they had it in their own firewall policy and all the gateways were asking for it.
0: This reminds me of a conversation I had with a, um, with a customer on on the community about, um, you know, what's the difference between a domain object and, um, you know, you defining an application uh, signature and, you know, an application signature is HTTP, which is, you know, or HTTPS, which is, you can see, okay, I'm trying to communicate to X, right? I'm doing it. You can see at the application level that that's what's happening. And so, um, you can, yeah, you can potentially block on that, but um, ultimately, a domain object or or an FQD or, or an FQDN domain object. Yeah, it ultimately comes down to an IP, and that could potentially be, uh, yeah, I could potentially use that information against the uh, the victim that's looking that up, and so um, maybe that's not the best approach here, uh, and so, you know, and and, and with, I think, uh, you know, Antibod, I you know, that, that's a, you know, again, I think you, that's looking at the application level. It's not necessarily looking at the DNS level, although I guess you could do that and have that domain, you could have that, have that routed to uh, a known IP that's, uh, you know, that's effectively a sinkhole that sends them nowhere, which which is a, you know, that's a good approach too.
1: Yeah, and as Tim was saying, we have the APIs now, but we also support uploading sticks or a CSV. So the other interesting thing with the customers that we're working with, those that create these massive lists manually, it actually takes them a lot of time and a lot of effort, but they receive the alert and all the intelligence in a sticks or CSV format. So it's actually quicker to do it right through Antibot and use the threat prevention upload customer IOC Capability that we have because it takes them five seconds rather than creating and manually curating these huge lists, which don't actually do what they think they do. So, uh, so yeah, so our PSA is please stop using domain objects for, uh, threat prevention, use the API or use custom IOCs.
0: Yeah. And that's been, that's been added, I think, what in r 20 Actually, R7730, right? I think. Oh, good Lord. No, we had R7540. We had the
1: management add-on that supported custom IOCs. I remember back in, that back in the day.
0: Yeah. Hopefully everybody's on, you know, and actually we, I think we saw some stats that it's actually, uh, that the majority of our customers right now are actually on 8010. Um, they should be on 80, you know, they should be on later releases than that. But, uh, yeah, we did, uh, so yeah, we actually had a conversation, uh, so in Denny, um, had put out their statistics and it's their customers that are also running Checkpoint and they're a lot of their customers, I think, skew a little bit differently than ours. Um, but our statistics are, yeah, it's pr- roughly a third of our customers, I think, are running the, uh, um, you know, eighty and I've, I've, there's a graph. Um, I should probably put it in the show notes or something, um, f- at least from February. But uh, but yeah, I think it's uh, so yeah that functionality's been there a while and they should use it because it's a uh, in you can pull the pull the data from anywhere
2: uh, and leverage it with Antibot. And nowadays, man, Intel teams are getting flung IOCs from. Every which way, 70 directions, their threat and tell partners, their community partners, their, their executives get, get wind of something and just fling it at them and. And there's, there's, there's indicators and intelligence coming at people nowadays from 70 different directions and, or more and the ability to like streamline with API or, or a sticks upload or whatever, uh, make some processes around that and, and, and stream that into the product is really so easy now, uh, that, you know, just, just a little bit of a process and, a and a little bit of, um ingestion through and and a little bit of uh, checking out the documentation uh, can save a lot of people some time.
0: Yeah. Or, you know, and obviously we, we leverage the best resources in threat cloud. So if you're using our threat prevention blades, then you're already leveraging the best intelligence and we validate, you know, we, we use, we use some third parties and we, of course we add our own stuff to it as well. And, uh, yeah, we, I think it's, uh, yeah, uh, I'm not saying don't manage your own threat intel and there's reasons why you might want to import uh, a specific set of threat intel because maybe you are, uh, you know, a you know, that, that you have some specific, yeah, for your industry that, uh, that maybe we're not putting in there, but, uh, you know, we're, you know, we, we've got, uh, you know, more than a hundred thousand customers that, uh, in, in, that we manage, uh, threat intel for, uh, effectively through threat cloud for the, for the smaller organizations, we, we got some pretty good threat intel. And you know, you've seen the, you've seen some of the stuff that we post on, on, on our threat research blog. And, and, you know, that gets incorporated into the product and we're able to see all of that and, and make, uh, you know, the do threat prevention based on that. So for, for the smaller customers, I think it's a uh, that's a great resource, and 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 yes, if you're a larger customer and you have a threat intel team and you're able to um, incorporate your own stuff, yeah, we've got you know we have the they have the technology to make that easy.
2: Great point. More often than not, like our team triages a bunch of lists of indicators. More often than not, threat has got it. You know, everything's in threat cloud, and we're good to go. the 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 cases we work with most. Where people have indicators that aren't there are, it's, 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 it's kind of classified data, law enforcement data, maybe data that's not publicly available or we can't yet share because it's, you know, we're uh, pending on a current law enforcement investigation or something like that. But yeah, more often than not, you know, we get lists of 7,000, 10,000, 12,000 indicators. And more often than not, most of them or all of them are already in threat cloud, you know, already there
0: the benefit of your NGTX subscription right but you do have to turn it on right you might be you may be paying for it but you haven't turned it on so
2: turn it on we see that a lot unfortunately too
0: yeah Uh, that that's our other PSA. Turn, yeah, turn it because it's, it's the turn on default now. The I think with with buy, the new yes. appliances that we put out, I mean now NGTX is I think the default, and so you should be able to, uh, um, so le- leverage that. I mean, and it's and even just uh you know again uh you know that some having some of that stuff in there and and you know stripping out the, the the stuff that's potentially malicious and not getting in the way of customers is really important. But I think also really the uh, um, but yeah, turn yeah, turn it on, and, and even if you just put it in detect mode, which I don't, you know. I, I, you know, you should be in prevent mode, obviously. But even in detect mode, at least just see what it sees. And maybe there is something bad there, and that should tell you something that's, uh, you know, that's that's going wrong. Uh, absolutely. And I think, you know, the uh, – yeah, I, I love TE,
1: and I think, you know, everyone should run TE and put it in hold mode and not have it in background. But, but I can understand it has a bit of an impact. But even just running Antibot, which has an AV, which has such a low performance hit on the cap- – Capability and power of our appliances these days, it should be at a minimum. Like, just turn it on. Just, if you know you're talking to C2 and you're about to have a sad day, at least knowing about it before your stuff gets ransomed or it all gets walked out the front door, at least it gives you a fighting chance. And being able to the,
2: to rewind. Yeah, the more controls you put in, right, the better. Yeah, being able to rewind the story, even if it is detect, like you were saying, even, even just having the visibility, is awesome. Countless cases we work. We don't have the data to tell the story of what happened because logging is not enabled or log retention is like a day or some, you know, very, very short. And yeah. So the, the visibility is awesome. Turn on prevention though. I mean, why not? Like just save yourself some headaches thank you for listening to this episode of Checkmates
0: Go. You can subscribe in your favorite podcast app. You can also send us feedback via email at checkmates at checkpoint.com. Thanks for listening.